question before us today from the scripture is a good one. It's the question of what will you abound in? What will you abound in? Many moons ago, uh, in my early days as a youth worker, I used to be a youth worker, and we were, used to work with high-risk kids. One of the programs that we ran was to enable relationships between the police force and the young offenders to be strengthened. And so to do that, we took them on a camp. And on the first day of this camp, I was a leader, but I was quite nervous about how this whole thing was going to go down. And I was sitting at the dinner table, and across me was a police officer, and next to me was an offender youth. And we had, I think it must have been sausages or something for dinner, and so I picked up one of those little um, parcel pouch things with tomato sauce in it. You know the ones that you kind of have to bend on themselves and, and crack? Yeah. Now up to this point, I wasn't quite familiar with the mechanics of this little machine, this little device. And as I pondered it and looked at it, and went, I wonder what happens, and I did this, I was sitting, and I did, I, with great force, pushed that together. And what abounded from that was an enormous amount of tomato sauce in such a little package that flew across the table without touching the table. It was wonderful. And covered the police officer sitting opposite me. And I realized all of a sudden that the young person next to me wasn't the one that was going to be in trouble. It was all on me. Abounding is about exceeding expectations. It's about excelling. It's about more than what was understood or expected. It's always about more. Increasingly so more. It's about more being expected. It's about more than is sensible. It's about more than is the norm. It's abounding in something is to exceed the expectation. It's to go beyond and in excess of what's required. So what will you abound in? Hopefully not tomato sauce. What will you abound in? Because what you abound in, in your life, determines whether you move and are led toward death or move and are led toward life. The things that you abound in and allow your spirit to abound in determine the quality of your life and the direction and ultimately the destination of your life. Some people abound in the wrong things. They abound in hate and bitterness and fear and greed or insecurity or jealousy or worry or complaining or judgment or fixation on things and it always leads to more death more death in their lives now and eventually the ultimate expression of that those people just think for a moment those people who over the long haul of life you love to spend time with think of those long-term friends people you're like I love to spend time with. you enjoy their company you trust them in a room you would gravitate toward them they are people who abound in life. So what will you abound in? What are you abounding in? Because abounding is a choice. It is not something that happens to us. It is a choice that we make. And that's what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. As he's writing to them, 
and his heart goes out to them and he prays for them and he says these words this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in depth in, in knowledge and depth of insight now the insight that Paul mentions here is about personal holiness that glorifies God when we abound in love when we grow in our abounding nature of love in God's love in agape love which is a selfless love then holiness follows and this world needs more holiness would you agree this world needs more holiness so Paul prays to the church may your love abound more in knowledge of God and in insight of God's holiness may your love abound more may your love exceed may your love expand may your love excel into these things I'm not talking about a self-seeking love or a love that has hidden agendas it's a love that compels people to spend a whole weekend from our church and head down to Lismore and walk around and help people whose homes have been completely destroyed by father that's the kind of love we need to abound in more I'm talking about the kind of love that compels people to go around to local bakeries and pick up the bread and then spend hours fastening up and bagging up thousands of loaves of bread to send them down to Mwilambar to the hub that feeds over a thousand people a day of people that have lost their homes in the flood I'm talking about the kind of love that compels people to serve in our church from preparing morning tea sorting out our social media setting up and serving communion to volunteering to be a youth leader to putting on the village dinners to ensuring that the prayers are prayed and the scripture is read and our worship is ready to lead us closer to God that the property doesn't fall apart that everyone can come and be safe that our children are discipled or to do what Robert did last week when the minister decided to be isolated and not come to church and Robert steps up and preached that that kind of love is what we're talking about abounding in that love when we abound in that love in that agape love a love that says I will give and I don't expect anything in return holiness is what follows and it not only follows us but then it flows out through us into the world so what will you abound in this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so what knowledge and what depth of insight is Paul speaking about knowledge about what insight about what well the next verse it says so that you may be, may be able to discern what is best and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God the knowledge and insight that we are to abound in that we're to place our love in results in personal holiness that comes only from God God is calling us to abound in practices and attitudes and postures and a pathway that results in personal holiness but the knowledge that we are to acquire the insight that we need to develop it isn't it isn't a complex doctrine of holiness that is not what this scripture is saying the scripture you're not meant to come away from this and go I need to buy a book on personal holiness and I need to read that thing 
and memorize it and know every page of it and then I'll be holy. That's not how you get holy. You can't go and buy it. You can't go and make it. You can't create it. You can't even work hard for it. That's how frustrating personal holiness is. If you've ever used that term or thought about that term, good Christian, you heard that? A good Christian, a good Christian, they, they pray, they give their tithes and offerings, they read their Bible every day, they're at church every week, they're kind and friendly, they love everyone, they never, they never rock the boat, they never, they never say mean things, they make sure they look the part, they're, they're unhappy when others aren't holy, they point out the other faults of others to help correct them. A good Christian is tired and exhausted and unhappy and feels a disjointedness in their spirit that whispers, is this all there is? See, here's why it doesn't work, because God never recognizes the title good Christian. It's completely foreign to God. God understands it. He's heard it. But he would never use that. He would never go, well, here's the good Christians, and there's the not-so-good Christians, and those ones over there, I'm not sure about them at all. That is not how God views. He looks at whether our obedience and love for him, full stop. Are we growing in that? Are we knowing that? Are we wanting to know God more? Are we growing in our insight of what God calls us to and who God is to give more and more to God? If you've given your life to being a good Christian, you're giving your life to the wrong thing and it needs to stop. Because being good at anything cannot make us more holy. And we have to be holy to be acceptable to God. So trying to be more good, to make yourself more holy, is a fruitless endeavor. It's a fruitless endeavor. It means that as filthy and disgusting and irreverent and horrible as we all are, God still says, you're mine and I love you. What? It shouldn't work that way, should it? It shouldn't. It's outrageous that grace says it doesn't matter who you are. I love you and I want you to trust me. I want you to come to me. Verse 11 says we need to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's what holiness is, the fruit of righteousness. A tree cannot push more fruit out of itself. No matter how much it tries, it comes out of the, the, the status of that plant. Our status, when our status is with Christ, the fruit of righteousness comes through Christ, the scripture tells us. See, our abounding, that question, what are you abounding in? It is not about doing more. We want to think it is because then we can do more. We feel like we've achieved more. We go, yes, I'm there. That is not what God is on about. It's about receiving more from Jesus. What will you abound in? What will you receive? What do you need to receive more from Christ and welcome in to your life? Because we cannot make it. We cannot create it. We cannot achieve it. That's why Paul is praying that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight of what God has done for you and what God is doing for you. The word abound, it's a beautiful word. This particular instance, it means to, for something to overflow upon us. That's what this word means. For something to be showered on us in great measure. I don't know if you've ever seen children at a water park and they always gravitate to the massive bucket that gradually fills up with water and then tips 
and you see this deluge of water that's abounding in to run under the bucket and wait for it to for it to abound on you is this word that's been talked about or, or another verb word is to to have your your house so abundantly furnished that there'd be no other need our couch and our couch setting is a couch of three and a recliner and a two two seater we're pondering updating that because it's 20 years old it doesn't look 20 years old well to us it might to some of you but to us it's a little bit grotty it's a little bit falling apart but it has it has a, a really special meaning to us that that suite costs three thousand dollars and you may be wondering ralph that's bizarre that 20 years later you would know that that couch setting costs three thousand dollars but there's there's a reason i know that because the money we used to buy it wasn't our money see when i was first ordained and we were first married we had as much money if we combined all our resources to buy half a pillow to put on the couch right there were at the start there was, there was nothing and the uniting church said to all those ordained candidates they said there's a fund you can apply for to help you set up a new home if you don't have any and so we um, applied and we won one we were granted we didn't win anything we were granted three thousand dollars and so all the furniture in our house it wasn't it wasn't new it wasn't second or third hand it was seventh or eighth hand with the exception of our bedroom suite that our generous parents said look let us bless you with that but everything else was borrowed or was ours because it had had seven or eight previous owners and so we moved into Seymour having left all the junky stuff getting rid of that when we moved away from Melton like we'll set up our lives and we got to the new house the manson went oh there's no furniture but we have three thousand dollars and so our first trip was down to the furniture shop in Seymour and we went in and we looked around and buying a couch is one of the hardest things to buy don't you think because it's got to be just right but we found it we sat on it and lounged back we're like this is the one and then I said to the guy how much is it and he said something like 2,500 I said to Lindor we've got 3,000 and then he said do you want Teflon coated that sounds very cool what is that well, basically, if you spill a drink on it, you can just wipe it off without it soaking in. How much is it? It's about 500 bucks. So our total will be 3,000. We're in, let's do it. Teflon coating on the furniture is one of the best decisions we've ever made. We will certainly make it again, especially having children, no offense. So we then, the couch arrived and the, the setting arrived in our home that wasn't furnished but once this filled and we sat down, it was like sitting in the furniture of God. It was like sitting in the way God had furnished our lives because it wasn't just a couch. It was so much more than that. There was an abundance of God that flowed into our lives that enabled us to have this couch and to sit on it to this day. And maybe that's why we're holding on to it a bit too tight, hun, because of those, those stories. Maybe we do need to update it because it's literally falling apart. But sitting on the couch for that first time was a physical experience of abounding in the goodness of God. You know, when the generosity of others, it excels beyond your wildest dreams and exceeds your wildest expectations. That is what it means to abound in. 
And we cannot abound like that in life until God first abounds in our lives. Until God furnishes our lives and pours his grace and his goodness and his favour into us. Until he lifts us up and encourages us. And we have that available to us every single day. Every single day, right now, that is available to us. We don't need to go anywhere or do anything to receive it. We just need to turn to God and say yes. What he won on the cross by a saviour who is madly in love with you is available for us today. To sit in it, to soak in it, to bask in it, to receive from the abundance of God's love. And every day, if you abound in God's love, what will abound from your life? God's love. Personal holiness. This world will be affected by what God does in your life if you give yourself to God. If you furnish your life with the love of God, God will furnish this world with his holiness. And God's holiness invading this world, it apprehends sin. It stops sin and brokenness and destruction in its tracks. It leaves a trail of light and love and wonder and encouragement in its wake. Which is what we and what this world desperately need. Now, if you've been keeping up to date with things um, taking place in the Ukraine. But the Ukraine Evangelical Theology, Theological Seminary, so the Bible College in Kiev, in Ukraine right now, they said this. They said there's an open attack on Russian Federation on our country. This open attack of the Russian Federation on our country is a reason not to panic, but to remember how many times God in his word says, do not be afraid. Fear paralyzes. Prayer, trust in God, caring for your neighbor, the pursuit of holiness, they give strength. These are people who are in massive hardship, having everything stripped away from them. There is no security. There is violence taking place on the streets. They have lost family and friends. And yet they're saying this is the moment when we need to take hold of our faith. The Ukraine Bible Society told Eternity News that the demand for Bibles over the last year has skyrocketed like they've never seen before. The people are crying out and calling for the word of God. They said, we're talking about what we can do and how we can print more Bibles because people are asking for whatever we have. We've run out. The Bible Society in Ukraine has run out of Bibles because Ukrainian people are saying, we need something of God. They know in their bones that there is something of God that can overcome the evil and the sin and the brokenness in this world. And if we were in Kiev today, I have no doubt that we will be pushing into God, that we will be praying fearlessly, that we will be stepping out, that we will be claiming ground for God, that we will be turning to God, we will be fasting and falling on our knees in worship and intercession. We'll be preparing the condition of our hearts. And you know what? We don't need to be in Kiev to do that. We don't need the pressure of war pushing down on us to force us into that space. There is pressure of sin already. We can come so immune to it. But the pressure of sin and disaster in our world, right outside our front door, is massive. That should push us into a pleading state of God, come close. God, be here. 
God, take all of me and fill me with your holiness because this world needs your holiness. So my question today is, what will you abound in? Will you abound with a heart that is hungry for God and see what God does through your heart into this world? Because this world needs it. Not only do we need it, but this world needs it. I'd love to invite Fiona to come up now and just lead us in some prayer around this. Thanks, Fiona.
when you can't see the future, when it looks dark and lost. Because through your baptism, Christ is in your heart and He is there. Call on Him. Call on Him. Ask Him to where you need to be. Ask Him for what you need to say to encourage people around you. To hold on to you. To hold on to Christ. That is the one truth we have. We can look into the darkness of the world, but we see God's character there. We see God's character through the believers of Christ. The word says what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. If you're afraid in your heart, you will be afraid. If you have peace in your heart, you will have peace. If you have Christ in your heart, you will know which direction to go to. Father, we thank you for your son. As he walks the path now to the cross. And we come as a church to come together with the Catholic Church because we all come in unity. We all believe in the one God. And we come and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us as individuals, for what you have done for the churches, for what you have done for the body of Christ across our nation, Australia. And we ask, Lord, that we will manifest that character that was laid in our heart. Let us manifest it in our speaking, in our laughing, because we laugh at the enemy. We laugh at him because Christ has the victory, and that is what we're coming to celebrate. Christ has the victory. May we live with that victory each day. Holy Spirit, fall upon us fresh. Renew our hearts, refresh our hearts. Because no matter how, wherever circumstances are in our life, we are prayer warriors. We can lift up our nation, lift up our family, lift up our neighbours to you in prayer. The gift that you gave us, prayer. Just as Paul was praying for the churches, he visited in his journeys. Let us not forget prayer. Let us not forget to lift up each other, to lift up our church members, our families, our neighbours, our leaders, because we want God's character and to manifest across our nation. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blessings this week. We thank you for the healings that have been this week. We thank you for the miracles this week because you are a God of miracles. So Father, renew our mind. Let us just come into your presence. Come into your presence. Sense your presence within our heart and within our mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and honour you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let us respond to God now by singing, love is his word, love is his way.